Gonna do a fantasy booking video solo. What could possibly go wrong? Let's talk about it. What's going on everybody? It's your buddy, it's your house past Phoenix, the YWC Rally Check, and yes! As I said in the intro, I am going to do a little bit of fantasy booking with you here this evening. And yes, I know, usually when I do a fantasy booking, I've got the help of either Christian or Guapo, or most of the time, both of them. But considering this literally came out of me sitting around in quarantine with nothing to do and putting matches together, I thought I would do it on the fly. Christian's not really doing wrestling content right now. That's why we're doing the Flix Fix series. Um, Guapo's my AEW guy. We're going to talk about Double or Nothing uh, in the coming weeks and the rip-off money in the bank briefcase that they're doing, but that's okay. We're not talking about that. This evening, and as I mentioned in my last video, okay, Fave is going off in his own direction, so... While he is my other other co-host, uh, I didn't uh, particularly bring him on for this. And Jake DeMarco, as far as I know, is still dealing with health issues. He is my NXT guy. He would be the guy I would call in to do something like this with me. But, you know, real life comes first, as, as I've said repeatedly to him and to all my other co-hosts. I love having them all on here. I am... I am very, very lucky to have the co-hosts that I've had on here. So shout out to Black Hat Feline, shout out to Guapo, shout out to OK Fave, shout out to Jake DeMarco. Hope you're all doing great. I'm doing this one solo. If you uh, if you didn't watch NXT this week, if you didn't catch my review this week, um, now the premiere of my review this week got cut off with the like 10 minute YouTube apocalypse that happened, where everybody kind of. Uh, went away for a second, so be sure to check that out, either on YouTube or on any multi, uh, any of the multi-podcast platforms that I happen to be on. Um, the big news that we got from NXT, from DX, is that we are bringing back In Your House, and that's going to be the next, um, that's going to be the next NXT pay-per-view, it's going to be the next TakeOver, it's going to be NXT TakeOver In Your House. They didn't say where, but I'm guessing it's going to be either live from Full Sail or live from the PC. And that's going to be weird. The one thing we've sort of, the one thing we've sort of avoided in this whole quarantine time is we haven't tried to do a takeover. The takeover that was supposed to be attached to WrestleMania didn't happen. We spread out some of the matches over the course of the Wednesday night uh, NXT episodes. We put the takeover Tampa logo in the background, which was kind of depressing, and we moved on. But as you know, or if you've been watching wrestling as long as I have, the In Your House brand back in the day was a was definitely B pay-per-view material, and uh, you could really get some some hidden gems, I guess. And it wasn't necessarily it didn't have to have all the bluster and bombast of a big four pay-per-view. That was kind of the idea. So I had some fun. I threw some ideas together that people may or may not like. We're gonna go through them here. There's not a lot. And, uh, yeah, um, I don't have any real, like, jazzy way to start off the conversation because it's just me. There is no conversation. So I'm just going to get on into it. Now, the first thing I want to say is something I've said on social media for a long time is NXT not only has the best women's division of the week in wrestling, Raw, SmackDown, AEW, cannot touch them. They can't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to Oscar. I'm sorry to Bailey. I'm sorry to Nyla Rose. Uh, they just they just can't. So the women's division is great, but <coughs> also with the cruiserweight championship, NXT has proven that they can breathe new life into a title that nobody cares about, or into a title that doesn't have very much prestige at the moment. 
So, I submit to you all, we use NXT to revamp the women's tag team division. Now, there's a bunch of pairings in NXT that you could go to. They did have Aaliyah and Vanessa Bourne for a while. I think Vanessa Bourne got let go, which is kind of sad. Um, obviously, Tegan Dox and Dakota Kai, when they were both babyfaces, were a team. Uh, Dakota Kai and... Uh, Raquel Gonzalez are a team now. Um, there's some pairs you can put together. So in my kickoff match, there's a number one contenders match between the Robert Stone brand, which is Chelsea Green, and after watching this week and last week of NXT, we think that the adopted next member of the Robert Stone brand is going to be Aaliyah. So you could very well have a tag team of Aaliyah and Chelsea Green, which wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. And who would you put them up against? Now, separately... Casey Catanzaro and Caden Carter are awesome. They are being used as enhancement talents most of the time. They're athletic as fuck. They're charismatic as hell. When Casey Catanzaro left for a while, people were legitimately bummed about it, especially Ricochet, I'm sure, but that's another story for another time. And Caden Carter just... Across all the brands, she's been jobbing to everybody on every brand, and she's just shown what she can do. And in real life, if you follow either of them on social media, they are you know, friends and workout buddies and they've known each other a long time. There's a natural chemistry between the two of them. So what I've done in this first match on the kickoff is to have the Robert Stone brand of Aaliyah and Chelsea Green taking on the team of Catanzaro and Carter in a number one contenders match. Now, the reason I put it on the kickoff, you guys know how I feel about kickoff matches. Kickoff matches don't really amount to much unless that's not the only time you're going to see the team that night. What I would do because the Iconics are taking on Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss next week on Raw, and this pay-per-view won't be happening for a while after that, I would have the Iconics win. Now, yes, I love Nikki Cross. I love Alexa Bliss. This goes without saying at this point if you've watched me on this channel at all. But the Iconics are an actual team, and you're talking about two talents. Now, Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss both were never really well used in NXT. They they had Nikki Cross being the crazy chick that hung out with Sanity, and Alexa Bliss, for reasons that still blow my mind, were was uh, positioned as the heel manager for Blake and Murphy, which was a charisma vacuum. Now, Buddy Murphy since then has gone on and done the big. Uh, the big show in Australia. He was a former Cruiserweight champion. He's doing the thing with Seth Rollins right now. He's doing all right. And Wesley Blake is in the Forgotten Sons, and the less said about that, the better. Alexa Bliss did the opposite. She, she did the Baron Corbin thing. She went and shone on the main roster. Nikki Cross, the same to a lesser degree. But the, for the most part, they are singles wrestlers. The Iconics, back when they were the Iconic duo in NXT, were already an established tag team. And that's why, if we're going to bring the titles back to NXT, you want to put them on an, an established NXT tag team, even though they're not in NXT anymore. So what I would do, Robert Stonebrand is still up and coming, and, you know, their thing is Chelsea Green started with him, and she lost a little bit, and then he sort of motivated her up. Aaliyah lost this week, and if he takes her under his wing, like, they could do a story where they get better under his leadership, but they're not there yet. Now, Catanzaro and Carter, on the other side of the coin, have been jobbing for everybody, but at the same time, they do look great. I would have Catanzaro and Carter go over. I would have the first match on the actual card be the Iconics versus Catanzaro and Carter. I don't know who I would have win. I would either have Catanzaro and Carter win, 
bringing the titles to NXT, or I would have the Iconics retain and have that solidify their return to NXT, a la Charlotte, a la Finn Balor, etc., who we're going to get to later on. Now, speaking of titles, and speaking of titles that are sort of up in the air right now, we do have currently the Round Robin Tournament for the Interim NXT Championship. And we, I don't know who's going to go from there. The, the, the controversial thing about the Round Robin tournament is the inclusion of Drake Maverick, who was fired on Black Wednesday, but yet is still in the tournament. And the storyline goes, he's fighting for his job. So you have to have him in the final. But I don't want it to be a singles match in the final. I want the numbers. I don't even know what the numbers are right now. I don't have them in front of me. But I want... Initially, before the before Black Wednesday came around and they were they were starting to do this tournament and whatever, I said uh, the two people from Group A and Group B that I wanted to see in the final were going to be Swerve and Kushida because I thought Kushida was going to go on and eventually face Jordan Devlin when the global situation was over. So what I'm going to do with this, just for the fun of it, because it is for the interim championship after all, is to have Swerve versus Maverick versus Kushida in a triple threat final for the interim cruiserweight championship. I would present them with a different belt, a slightly different belt to, uh, not a different style of belt. The style of the belt is great, but maybe a slightly different color or the same exact belt, but on a white strap instead of a black strap. Something to indicate that it is the interim belt. And then have Jordan Devlin have a, have a spot at the end where he's not supposed to be in America. He's definitely not supposed to be in the PC. He breaks in to crash the party of whoever just became the interim champion and do the I'm the real championship. And yes, I am breaking that out purely from what uh, CM Punk did after he after he beat John Cena at the Money in the Bank pay-per-view that we all know, we all love, the thing that happened in Chicago where he had the ovation that rivaled Hulk Hogan in Toronto. Uh, and Cena won the belt, and Punk held up his belt just a little bit higher. I would love to see that. I would love to see the story, because Devlin is such a dickhead heel. As much as I would love to see a big push for Swerve or a big push for Kushida, I would love this to be the big shining moment where Drake Maverick saves his job and simultaneously becomes a champion, only to have Jordan Devlin come in like the asshole that he is and squash that before he can even enjoy it. I think that's great. I think Drake Maverick realizing that dream, realizing the dream of not only becoming a champion, but also keeping his job after the promo that he cut on social media would be great. And to have him face to face with Devlin and call him out on the spot and get a unannounced match between Drake Maverick and Jordan Devlin for the undisputed NXT Cruiserweight Championship would be absolutely amazing. And with that, you could go either way. I mean, Devlin is... Maverick is a good story. Devlin is a good champion. So you could go either way with that. And either way, the person that wins that match could have the Razor Ramon moment at the top of the ladder holding up both the interim and actual championships. You could have a whole lot of different moments just with those connections of things. Now, I'm, I know I sound like I'm doing a lot of, like, number one contender and then title match in the same night. Uh, I'm playing around with the format a little bit because, like I say, In Your House was always a B pay-per-view where things were a little bit more lax, a little bit more fluid. I think there was a lot of... Uh, if I'm not mistaken, there was a lot of in-your-house pay-per-views that didn't even have a world title match in the main event. They had some other sort of thing. Um, now, keep that in mind going forward, because I do have a title match, but it's probably not the most exciting match you can possibly think of. Um, moving on next, and I'm just going off of what we've seen on TV the past couple of weeks. Um, 
Karrion Cross is going to be facing Champa at the actual in your house pay-per-view. I'm pretty sure. So let's just let's just go with that for a second. Karrion Cross looks like an absolute animal. Scarlet Bordeaux's hot as fuck, and that doesn't hurt either. That entrance that blew up Twitter last week was fucking great. And he needs somebody that's going to make him look real good. Now, who can make him look real, real good is Champa. And you can get away with Champa suffering a loss here, not only because he doesn't know what to expect from Karrion Cross, he's still wearing the wounds of the surprise attack from Karrion Cross, and as has been very highly documented, uh, Champa's had a series of injuries, including to his neck, and when that attack went to his neck, you could say he's going in less than 100%. He's beat up from the attack, and he's still suffering the immense emotional, psychological, and mental scars of losing one last beat to one Johnny Gargano. Um, I think Ciampa gives him a hell of a fight here. I think uh, Karrion Cross comes out of here looking great. Ciampa will do the job of making him look like a million bucks. And Ciampa is one of those guys, if I see him in a title pitcher, I want him to win. If I see him in a non-title pitcher, I just want to see him put up a good scrap. And, um, I mean, obviously... There's all the potential in the world of Scarlet or Scarlet Bordeaux getting involved. There's all the chance in the world of Gargano and Larray because they're both heels now, uh, fucking him over as well. There's all kinds of ways that you can put crossover here like a million dollars and and not have Chomp lose any face in the process. We just had Finn Balor drop a loss to fucking Cameron Grimes this week on NXT. If we can do that and still have Balor look good, then we can definitely have Ciampa drop a loss to uh, and Cross, who obviously NXT has a lot of weight and a lot of value in, and I think it'll be really, really good. Speaking of Finn Balor, the only reason I am not crawling the bell tower with a fucking shotgun over him losing to Cameron Grimes is because it leads us to Balor versus Priest. Priest has an amazing story here. The fact that he's taking out people, taking out either guys that are physical giants or guys that are just giants in the industry because, as he says and as has become cliche on NXT, he wants his name to live in infamy. He wants to be the Archer of Infamy. Now, you can say he's, he's, he's taken a step back because he's failed twice to get the North American Championship, but I would say... In that regard, Finn Balor becomes the undertaker of this particular uh, NXT pay-per-view. In the sense that when WrestleMania comes around, you want a title shot. Title shots can come, title shots can go. You can have a big, big, long-standing story. Or you can be the guy that was chosen to face the undertaker that year. And you could even go into that match knowing that you're going to lose. But just the fact that you got to be part of the undertaker streak, be part of the, uh, the phenomenal gimmick and, and everything, the pomp and the pageantry of not only The Undertaker, but the large stage of WrestleMania was an accomplishment in and of itself. This could very, very much be the story here. Damian Priest needs something. You you guys know when we got Lee versus Dijak for the millionth, 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 millionth time, I said, put him in that title picture. And obviously they're not going to give him that title right now because Keith Lee is the guy they've got a rocket strapped to. And that's fine. We move put him over there. We'll find him something else to do. Now, Damian Priest is obviously not going to go for the world title just yet. Even I wouldn't suggest that just yet. He's too big to go for the Cruiserweight Championship. And unless they brought Aleister Black back to NXT, I don't see him going for the Tag Team Championships anytime soon. I suggested that a couple weeks ago on somebody else's show, and I got laughed pretty much off the stream. But I still think Aleister Black 
Damian Priest would be a hell of a team, but Aleister Black is off doing Aleister Black things and falling off buildings and still being alive because that's what the main roster does. You come to here, Damian Priest versus Finn Balor, and you could cut this right down the middle. You could cut this down the middle 50-50. You could have this be the acceleration of this new heel, aggressive Finn Balor although the last couple of feuds he's had has been with other heels, so I don't know where he is in his in his heel persona at the moment. Or you could have Damian Priest get the treatment that Cameron Grimes got this week, undeservingly, except very deservingly in the case of Damian Priest. Damian Priest is a lot like Swerve, where I just look at him and I'm like, I want them to do something with him. Now, in Swerve's case, he's a smaller guy. They were able to put him into this cruiserweight tournament. Whether he's going to get the title is another thing, but he feels 10 times bigger as a character with something to do. Now, if Damian Priest is going to go on, uh, what was it when Orton, uh, when Orton did it, he called it the, the legend killer run, right? If he's not going to go for a title, he could just go target NXT legends. What could he do if uh, anybody that does a guest shot on NXT for a night, if they bring back, you know, Sami Zayn just got stripped of the Intercontinental Championship. He could make a guest appearance on NXT and get taken out by Damian Priest. Kevin Owens, you could do the same thing. If he start, if he were to start off a storyline like that with Balor, even if he's a heel and he just takes him out with the club that he gave some really weird name to on on NXT this week, and I can't remember it because I didn't write it down. Um, if he just starts collecting legends, collecting NXT legends, that could be a story in and of itself until we find a way to put him into a title picture. At the other side of the coin, Balor, who's reinvented himself since coming back to NXT and wants to test himself up out against the new blood of NXT, of which Damian Priest is definitely one of them, him getting a win helps re-establish himself, but I don't necessarily think he needs that as much. I would give it to Priest, or I would make this a story that lasts more than one pay-per-view. Now, when you get to something a little bit more legitimate, like what the next time they have a TakeOver Brooklyn, or something of that regard, or the pay-per-view next year that they uh, that they attach to WrestleMania, or whatever the big four pay-per-views are next year, if you want to have a serious blow-off to that, that's fine. With bigger ramifications, throw a stipulation on it, whatever that sort of thing. Whatever that's going to be, let this be the first chapter. And if it is the first chapter, who wins this round may potentially not matter, but I think the match will be great. It's a lot better than Cameron Grimes, and it's a lot better than Keith Lee versus Dominic Dijakovic for the thousandth time. Now, we have new tag team champions, which is great. Uh, Imperium, uh, Fabian Eichner, Marcel Barthel just became the tag team champions off the back of Matt Riddle, who got dumped by his partner, um, Timothy Thatcher. Who, and uh, trust me, I'm going to talk about uh, Matt Riddle later on down the line. But um, what you forget is that Imperium, while they are not all there, Alexander Wolf is not there, Walter is not there, they're, that's literally half of the faction. Are they not then prime targets for their old rivals, Undisputed Era? Adam Cole, seeing that the leader of his opposition is gone. Walter's not there. Even Walter's backup in Alexander Wolf is not there. Would this not be, if you were led by Adam Cole and you're fishing O'Reilly, would this not be the prime opportunity to try and add some gold to your leader's gold and bring the prophecy of the Undisputed Era back together? Now, yes, we've seen it before. And no, it would not be the most exciting match on the card, but it is... 
it is a good story because I do plan on infusing Undisputed Era because Undisputed Era, I'm sorry, I like Gargano, I like Ciampa, I like some of the new guys, I like the Cruiserweight title, the tag titles and all this sort of thing, but Undisputed Era is still the heartbeat of NXT. It's why their iconography on all of their merchandise is so similar to the iconography of NXT itself. All of their merch is black and gold, which is why I think they're trying to solidify themselves on that brand, because they don't want to go to the main roster. They know what going to the main roster is going to do to them. And you know that the Undisputed Era merch in blue or red will just look wrong. Now... Now, now, you could play up a whole bunch of things here. You could say, hey, we're protecting NXT from that other NXT because Imperium's from NXT UK. You could just simply play this off as a continuation of the rivalry between the two factions. You could play it off as Adam Cole picking on the other faction while only half of them are there. There's a million ways you could spin this. But also, Fish and O'Reilly versus Fabian and Barthel is just a great tag team match, and it will put prestige, even if you don't necessarily care, even if it's not the firecracker of the night, it is a match worthy of the NXT Tag Team Champions, worthy of the titles that were held by the Revival, by DIY, by American Alpha, Imperium, and Undisputed Era definitely belong in and among those names. I mean, hell, those titles were held by the Ascension. Where are the Ascension now? Moving on. That's going to be a good match of the night. And also, if you're going to include all of Undisputed Era, you have to perpetuate the story of the Undisputed Era, which was also played up on, on this week's episode of NXT, which is basically all of Undisputed Era throwing their brother, the, uh, the red-headed stepchild of the Undisputed Era, Roderick Strong, under the bus. And that bus is Dexter Loomis. Now... I've said for a long time, Dexter Loomis is a guy I don't know how to take. He's really weird. I don't care about his squash matches. It's weirdly interesting when he gets involved with the main roster people, and Roderick Strong will drag him to a good match if he's got a good match in him. Now, what's his, what's his name in the indie? Samuel Shaw? I know nothing about Samuel Shaw, Dexter Loomis, outside of NXT. I'm sure he could be great. He's terrifying. His big skill is that he doesn't blink, which is a little weird. And as I've said before, he does look like he has dead babies in his basement. But if there's a good match to be pulled out of him, Roderick Strong is it. And Roderick Strong will go in there and gladly play the Dolph Ziggler, play the ragdoll if that's his role, and make Dexter Loomis look like a million bucks. Now, on the one hand, he could, out, he could wrestle, go in there and wrestle circles around him and represent his faction well. Or he go out there, get completely ragdolled, and then we can play up the story about how his brothers didn't help him and we play up the dissension between the Undisputed Era. There is no loser in that regard whatsoever. Now, now when I talk about the uh, the idea of In Your House being where you can get a little bit wacky, a little bit different, and before people start comparing what I'm about to say to Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins versus Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans, that is kind of what I'm doing. That is kind of what I'm doing, except I'm going to make it good, and this doesn't have Lacey Evans in it. What I'm going to do is I'm going to play off of the promo that Lacey, or that, um, Lacey, Candice LeRae and Johnny Gargano cut in their kitchen this week, um, at the kitchen table, you know, dinner with the Garganos, where Johnny Gargano keeps his athletic cup on the dining room table, which is awkward, I'll admit. That's really, really weird. But they called out Keith Lee and Mia Yim, uh, for various reasons. And Mia Yim doesn't have a title. 
but she has had title opportunities. Candice LeRae is infinitely better than... I'm a fan of Mia Yim, you guys know this. I've, I've, I've begged them for a long time to give Mia Yim a chance to maybe actually hold the title at one point, but then we saw the, the takeover match in Toronto with her and, and Baszler, and I was there live to see it, and I really wanted it to be good. It wasn't, but... So here's the story. You've got Candice LeRae, who thinks Mia Yim has been given way too many opportunities, and you got Johnny Gargano looking over at Keith Lee, who's got the rocket strapped to his back right now and has the North American Championship that he used to have. So you schedule a mixed tag match with the following stipulations. There's two things on the line here. There's the North American Championship and a number one contender spot for Charlotte Flair's uh, Women's Championship. So the winning team... The male of the winning team becomes the North American champion. The female of the winning team gets a shot at Charlotte Flair. There's two stories going into it. You can play up a lot of different things. You can play up the, the possibilities of Mia Yim getting another shot at Charlotte Flair after she just had one not too long ago, or Candice LeRae, who's been chopping at the bit and hasn't had those same opportunities. Now, the obnoxiousness of little pipsqueak Johnny Gargano stepping up to Keith Lee is great. The, the the visual of Mia Yim slapping the taste out of his mouth is also great, but the idea of the poison pixie Candice LeRae stepping up to Keith Lee and slapping him is even funnier, and the obnoxiousness of Johnny Gargano squeaking out a win here, becoming the North American Championship with the legal help of his wife, not only that, but Candice LeRae eventually somewhere down the line going out there and out dirtiest playering in the game in Charlotte Flair and them becoming the, the, the NXT royal couple will just send Twitter into a blaze. I think it's I think it's magnificent. And the other thing about this is no matter what you think of the Gargano family heel turn at the moment, Candice LeRae is a great talent. Gargano's a great talent. Keith Lee is over as fuck. And Mia Yim, who's not quite at that level, could definitely, definitely be helped along to a great match. Not only with two people on the other side of the ring with her that could carry her to a great match, but with the with the added comfort of her partner in the match being also her real-life partner, there's every opportunity that this particular mixed tag match could elevate her wrestling to another level. And I think it could be really good. It could be really fun. This is the thing I, I'm going to keep going back to. When you had In Your House back in the day, there was some stuff that was just silly and fun. And I could definitely see with the character work of the heel Garganos, with how over Keith Lee is, and how just generally fun... Mia Yim is. You guys have heard me before talk about Mia Yim as the new urban leader for 2020, and that is what she is. You put all those elements together in a mixing pot, you could have a character study as well as you could have a, uh, <coughs> a mixed tag wrestling match. And I would love if WWE could get away with it to go by actual intergender rules where the men can fight the women and the women could fight the men. I don't think that part of it would happen. But it's fun to think. And to have one match with two very distinct stipulations on the line. Now, it's one thing to have a tag team match where the winners get a shot at, at two particular titles. It's one thing to have what they had with Corbin and, and Rollins and all them where two titles are on the line. But to have two very different stipulations in one match, one half of the winning team gets a title, one half of the winning team then gets to go on and have a shot at a title. You have immediate storytelling and prolonged storytelling in the same match. I think it all works out. I think it all wins. Now, that means we don't have a women's championship match on the card. 
But what I would have right before the main event is to have Charlotte Flair come out and whoever it is, whether it's Mia Yim again or whether it's Candice LeRae, uh, you know, licking her lips and getting ready for a title shot that she's been waiting for for a long time. Either way, Charlotte Flair is going to play it off like it's nothing. In fact, you could have her step out of the crowd and say, you know what, I don't feel like defending my title tonight. But I will say, if anybody in the back doesn't have anything else to do and wants to get embarrassed, I'll show you guys what you guys have to look forward to. And you have a uh, non-title open challenge from Charlotte Flair that gets surprise answered by, this will not surprise anybody, my girl Shotzi Blackheart. And you don't have her necessarily go in there and like pull a fast one on Charlotte Flair. But if you have her drag her out, because she's not taking her seriously, whatever, to a surprise win then you have set it for a future date Charlotte Flair versus Shotzi Blackheart versus either Mia Yim or Candice LeRae and that's great and all of that looming over all of that is the potential violent interference of either Io Shirai or Rhea Ripley or both this is very 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 exciting to me now the main event the main event is Adam Cole versus Matt Riddle. Now you got Matt Riddle who's going to come off of the recent breaking up of his tag team, the recent loss of his tag team championships. He's out there desperate to prove something and he goes and rubs it in Adam Cole's face and it's a very very easy story to tell and it's a match that we've seen before and there's not really much extra story that they could add to it but it's kind of by design because the way I've put this together the the title match is just for the sake of seeing the champion on the show. The championship match is not meant to be a main event in its in its purest form. It, it's 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 a way to cap off the night. It's a way to you know, if anything else, take a breather and think about what we've got in the rest of the card. I've intentionally chosen a a less than stellar main event so that the fan base and the audience at home and the audience in the arena can give more of their attention to the other stuff, to the mixed tag, to the tag team championships, to the to the culmination of the cruiserweight championship, to the saving of the women's tag team championship. I've given a main event that will be good because Adam Cole's good and Matt and Matt Riddle is good but we've seen it before and they don't really have any direct storyline reason to come together again there's no real reason that Matt Riddle would even be considered the number one contender but that is by design you have a a slightly and I'm talking like 99 instead of 100 main event to intentionally push the audience's focus to the rest of the card because I think the way I've put together the rest of this card there's a lot there's a lot of other things to think about so to run it down again really quickly you've got the Robert Stonebrand versus Catanzaro and Caden Carter winners go on to face the Iconics uh, Swerve Maverick and Kushida fighting in the finals of the tournament to crown the NXT interim cruiserweight championship you've got Cross versus Champa for reasons you've got Balor versus Priest for reasons you've got Strong versus Loomis for reasons you got Fabian and Barthel versus O'Reilly and Fish for the tag titles you got Gargano and LeRae versus Lee and Yim fighting for a couple of different things you got Charlotte in an open challenge against my girl Shotzi Blackheart because I'm biased and I want Shotzi Blackheart on my card. And then you got a, a perfectly fine world title match to end the night. This is what I threw together while I was at work today and when I got home from work today because I was bored because it's quarantine and because the world is kind of weird right now and I wanted something to be happy about. And this is obviously coming off the back of the announcement that we had this past Wednesday of the returning takeover in your house. This is what I put together. I'd love to know what 
you guys think of all these ideas. And if anything, put your ideas down in the box below. I've, I've definitely stolen a couple of these from matches that we're already we already know we're definitely getting. So I kind of cheated on some of these. Please put it down in the box below. What do you guys hope we see at Takeover in your house? I'd love to hear all of your suggestions. Maybe I'll put a second video together of other people's suggestions if I've got the time. Hopefully. And eventually, I get my NXT guy, Jake DeMarco, on here, and we can talk about some other matches we'd like to see. But that's it. I'm running out of breath. It's pretty damn late on Thursday. i got to edit this and throw it up. I'm going to throw it up sometime on Friday, possibly after SmackDown. If you're watching this right now, you know when I threw it up because you're watching it right now. I've been Spaz, your YWC Reality Check. Subscribe up there. Talk down there. Start a conversation. Keep all these conversations going. Don't be a stranger. I will talk to you every last one of you later. But for right now... Tagging out. Bye, guys. Don't shine,